All right, we're back with another episode. As always, I'll get to start off with a little bit of history. Um, there's a lot of this, a lot of history, and it's kind of all over the board, but uh, I'll get started with TV and film. So in, on this day in 1923, the Hollywood sign in uh, Los Angeles is officially dedicated. Um, it originally read Hollywood Land until about 1949, and that's when they took off the last four letters. So, uh, and I'm oh. sure in between then and now, I'm sure it's been renovated and new, whatever it's made of, put up. But yeah, so like, yeah, I didn't know that last bit either. Hmm. Yep. Um, 1939, Frank Sinatra made his recording debut. Um, this is pretty big news. He became a pretty big singer and actor that we all know. Um, in 1994, on this day, OJ is charged with murder after his DNA is collected. And I think we all know how that ended up. <laughs> <laughs> And then in 2018, one of many of Scarlett Johansson's fiascos, uh, she withdrew from an acting role where she was to play a transgender character because she herself is not transgender, nor is she Asian. Um, so uh, I think we're getting better at that, though. Yes. Of, you know, giving roles to the people that deserve to actually play them and have lived that life. So, yeah, there's that. Um, music in 1985 on this day live aid took place in London and Philadelphia and just like last week when I talked about um, oh god I think it was live eight yes yeah Uh, this one was huge this had really big names and it was all to help raise money for to reduce famine in Africa and if I'm not mistaken I read they raised like 70 million dollars at the time which in 1985, it's a lot of money now, but 1985, that would have been a lot of money. So, yeah. Yeah. And then 1987, um, pop icon, she's still going. Kali Manuel released her debut single, Locomotion. And she is still pumping out music just about every year, it seems like. So, yeah. Right. I forget that she's been around that long. Right, yeah, about the same time as Madonna, you think about it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Brandon likes film. Lauren prefers TV. Together, they chronicle life in a peak entertainment era. Welcome to It's a Streamable Life. If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Streamable Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. Today signifies the beginning of award season as we recap the nominations for the 2021 Emmy Awards airing September 19th on CBS. So let's get into some headlines. Speaking of the Emmys, they announced that Cedric the Entertainer will be hosting the live telecast this year, the 73rd uh, Emmy Awards. As we know, he is a star of CBS's series, The Neighborhood. So they always try to get someone from the network to host the award show. So that's a good look for him. Right, right. Um, In some movie news, Black racing pioneer Charles Charlie Wiggins is getting a biopic. And I have to say, I've never heard of him before. Yeah, right there with you. Um, it'll be set in the 1920s, basically about the first African-American car racer. And one of the producers that's uh, beyond the project will be IndyCar Company. So, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it seems pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to, to, to this story because it's definitely something I've never heard of. Right, right. Um, and lastly, as we learned that Lovecraft Country was canceled, for a second season, the creator Misha Green has s- signed an overall deal with Apple TV, so she'll be wow. developing original content for the new platform. Um, so good for her. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and just to backpack uh, on the Charlie Wiggins thing, here in the city in Indianapolis, we just had a mural painted of Major Taylor, who was like a huge. Mm-hmm. He's a cyclist who, you know, when he was racing it was you know this is early 1900s he was not supposed to be doing this and so it was huge and um I don't, i'm not sure how many people know stuff about him here in the city and there's a lot of there's a there's a velodrome which is a track and a skate park that have his name over it and they're huge they're off the interstate but um 
uh, it's kind of interesting. So I'll, once it's finished, I'm going to try to scope it out and see what it looks like. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I read they're pr- trying to do either a series or a film about him as well. Yeah, that would be good. But the guy that, that's doing the mural is from Chicago. So he came down from Chicago to put it. Oh, OK. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Yeah, I'll get into my things first. Uh, the Obamas are back on Netflix and they are getting ready to debut a series called Blackout. And it's a premise, well, the premise is that uh, in New York, there is a blackout which takes out all the power and it follows six different love stories. And so they've been able to kind of uh, put on, gather some writers to, to get these stories together. And they're from the perspective, I think of teenagers, so like 12 different teens going through love stories, but if I'm not mistaken, they're all black. So they're all, black love stories so that's that's going to be kind of interesting yeah i'm i'm looking forward to this project um i didn't watch their first ones but this one sounds really interesting right right and they put out a lot of stuff i they uh i know they were behind crip camp which was really good and american mm-hmm. factory won an oscar if i'm not mistaken so right right yeah so they're they're doing well with that so yeah this one should be good um secondly California is on track to increase their film and TV tax credits by $330 million. So that's a big thing because some of that money is going to creating new sound stages in the state. Um, everything in California is so overused and so booked that this, this is needed. So that will free up more space for people and eventually more products. And so, I mean, more projects. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a pretty big thing, and that's kind of what keeps films coming back to California. Is those are those tax incentive things, which we don't really have across the nation. I think Georgia has it as well. So yeah, yeah, or at least one of the bigger ones. Um, and then finally, uh, film reviews are coming in from the Cannes Film Festival, and uh, it sounds like there's they're either hit or miss. But I think uh, Wes Anderson had his film go off the other night with uh, Timothy Chalamet and it got great reviews. Uh, I think it's called the French Dispatch. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other small films. There's this film, I saw a, tra- a trailer for a couple of weeks ago called Titan or Titan. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's French. It looked crazy. It was just as crazy as it looked in the trailer. And so it got great reviews and standing ovations and um, it's been hard to keep up with all of it, but you know, I check the websites every day and it's just like, bam, 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 new film. So, yeah. Um, I also saw where Sean Penn's film flag day got a lot of. Yeah. He's got like a four minute standing ovation or something. Right, right, right. So we'll see. I, now my thing is, is that what is, we are in July. What's what film festivals do we have left? Um, we had Sundance, can we had Tribeca already, right? Because what I'm getting at is that some of these may just get picked up and go straight to theaters, like we may not be able to see them at here in the states yet, right? Right, so we may have to wait. So, yeah, because theaters are opening back up, and I'm sure they want to. Right. We're going to get back to the normal swing of things. Yeah, right. So we know the French Dispatch, Wes Anderson, we know that's going to get picked up. So it's just a matter of waiting and seeing Mm. what else does. So, but yeah, so far, so good over there. All righty. We'll get into our box office tracking. Black Widow hit a pandemic record with $80 million this weekend and $60 million from Disney Plus alone. So a lot of people are spending that $30 to see yeah. it <laughs> at home. Um, and then the total box office this weekend was 117 million, which is another pandemic breakthrough. Um, right. Slowly but sure, surely, theaters and cinemas are trying to climb out of the hole from COVID-19. Yeah. So we'll see how that fares. And then in trailer things, we had uh, several new trailers. Uh, yeah. First last week, Thursday, following Loki, we had... Marvel dropped the trailer for What If, their first animated series at Disney Plus. And this will be a series that follows um, basically the question, What If, that sort of supersedes any 
thing we've known about the MCU and right. takes different characters, drops them in different universes and totally flips the script upside down. Right. So in addition to starring Jeffrey Wright as the watcher, a lot of the film actors will return to voice their characters, um, including Chris Hemsworth. Uh, I think Benedict Cumberbatch is returning and we'll also have the last uh, Marvel role from Chadwick Boseman as he reprises oh. his role as T'Challa. So okay, right. should be an interesting series. And that yeah, debuts um, August 11th on Disney+. Plus. And then, um, well, I saw both of these trailers. Uh, first, I'll go ahead and uh, pray away, which okay. is a documentary that drops August third on Netflix. And this is a Syrian documentary produced by Ryan Murphy um, that chronicles the basically anti-gay movement that was yeah. spurred back in, I believe, the eighties and grew to prominence in the early 90s around that sort of talk show era. Right. Basically, a conversion therapy organization called Exodus propped up um, these figureheads, these citizens who said they were no longer homosexual, whether they were gay or lesbian, and sort of preached that you could pray the day away, basically. Right. Um, And unfortunately, these individuals failed tremendously at sort of living a life that was not true to their identity. So years later, they're actually renouncing their involvement with this, with this organization, this movement, and are trying to stop from the movement uh, that's experienced a resurgence as yeah. of late. So it, it looked really interesting and, and profoundly sad, unfortunately. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. It did like watching each other was kind of sad and, um, kind of hard to watch you could see the regret on their faces yeah yeah all right well uh the first of the trailers i saw uh the first one is called the swarm and this is a netflix movie and it comes out august 6th and i'm not gonna lie when i initially saw the name i and the premise i was like okay this woman owns a locust farm it's gonna be a little love story that is not the case Um, (laughs) (laughs) this woman owns a locust farm or owns a farm but she has locusts that help keep you know, control of her crops or something. I can't remember why she has them. But on the farm, she's starting to have money problems and people are bothering her to buy the farm and telling her to pay. And one day she's tending to the locust, slips, bleeds, and the locusts taste the blood. And then these locusts turn into, well, bloodthirsty locusts. And she figures that out and she kind of uses them to her advantage from what I saw in the trailer, or at least that's right. kind of what the trailer gives away. So you, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe she's afraid of the locusts as well, but um, it looked interesting. So I'll, I'll probably check that out. Secondly, um, or event, an, a, an event I don't remember, um, Woodstock 99, Peace, Love and Rage. This is about Woodstock that happened in 1999. supposed to pay homage to the original Woodstock of the, uh, late 60s and it talks about just how the festival just went into absolute disarray there was mayhem there's no um uh, no real structure there are way too many people more more people than what they thought yeah and um it's weird the trailer kind of takes you from what the trailer looks like it's going to take us down this kind of path of like white guy masculinity i'm not sure what the actual aim is but um well i guess we'll see but yeah i do i was really young and you we were both pretty young when this event was happening so um but that's july 23rd so the end of this month is when that comes out and then lastly uh scenes from a marriage this is the another hbo um project it's coming out in september and this stars ooh jessica chastain and I can think of his names, Isaacs. What can I think of his first name? Oscar. Oscar, thank you. Yeah. And they are a married couple and it just kind of um, uh, talks about their 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 problems. And it, it's based on a film from the 70s by Ingmar Bergman, who's a famous Swedish director. So uh, I don't know, I guess we'll see what happens. It talks about marriage, hate, desire, and just kind of 
Americans in their homes. So I, I, I'm interested. It seems like it's been talked about for a while now. Mm-hmm. I remember them doing the casting um, yeah. for it for a minute. Yeah. So I'm sure it will be good. So it's a good yeah. cast. So yeah, we'll definitely. Definitely a good cast. All right. We'll get into our next segment, Streams of the Week. Um, I didn't watch a lot this weekend, was kind of busy, but I did get to see Black Widow on Friday. Okay. This was Scarlett Johansson's solo of MCU film, finally, decades later. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really good. Um, I gave it a strong three and a half stars. Um, okay. Good action, a great sort of commentary on women's agency. Yeah. Um, Comedy, of course, is always laced through MCU's films, and it sort of sets up what comes next pretty well, even though it's a prequel film, because we know uh, Black Widow's fate right. in the MCU so far. So um, the only thing is, like, it, it is late. It, we should have had three films starring right, right. Johansson in this character. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a solid, solid movie and a good entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so... Whenever, if you get a chance to go see it, theater at, or at home, either way, it, it was decent. All right. Uh, I watched a few things. Uh, I watched the second part of the Fear Street trilogy. Um, was the Stephen King, not Stephen King, R.L. Stein books that are being remade on Netflix. Uh, this one was pretty good. We get kind of a flashback. So we go back to the 70s. Well, it starts with the young kids of 1994 meeting um, the woman that they were on the phone with. They go to her house mm-hmm. and they hear her story of her time at this summer camp in 1974 or 1978 and uh, how she dealt with the witch, how she, you learn that she had a sister who was killed by this guy who was possessed by the witch. And it's a long story, but it, it was decent. Another good kind of like slasherish film. And um so they're still trying to figure out how to defeat this, but I'm, I'm interested. This next one goes back to 1666. And I'm just like, what is that even going to look like? So we're going to go from somewhat modern day to like right. almost like a period film. So, so I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I've watched these two, so I'm going to watch that one. And uh, yeah, they're pretty good. Um, then I watched a show called Professor T on PBS. This is their um, little thing that they have masterpiece thing on PBS and the best way to describe this is like an English monk and a little bit more serious. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of that same kind of he's quirky, weird guy with all these different um, strange tendencies and everything. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bit more serious. Like the crimes are notched up a level. This time he was dealing with like a serial rapist. So it was, it was like, oh, wow. Oh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there wasn't much to be funny about, but it was, it was good. And then, once again, HBO, constantly on our tongues, mm. uh, they had a show premiere Sunday called White Lotus. And once again, I was taken by surprise. The trailers didn't really give us much. And I didn't know what the show was going to be about until maybe, I want to say, like, last Friday. And I figured out it, it's about it's about white people. It's about, <laughs> it's about class, which is a huge, huge kind of thing over it. And just kind of how those two things, those white people in class, um, how they come together. So the, the, the gist is that these well-off people are on a boat to this Island resort in Hawaii. And, um, what we see is how they treat the staff and just, you know, the staff is, you know, they're, native Hawaiians you've got black people you've got white people and just but it's just this class thing these people are so well off that they don't really see their um their their privilege so it's only the first episode so we're still trying to set the foundation but the cast is kind of you know wild you have Sydney Sweeney who was in Euphoria Connie Britton uh plays like this big CEO she's Sydney Sweeney's mother Jennifer Coolidge is in it she's like a well-off woman who just lost her mother uh, Steve Zahn plays Connie Britton's husband. Um, and then um, Natasha Rothwell is like a massage therapist at the spa. And she has like direct 
contact with Jennifer Coolidge's character. Jennifer Coolidge's character wants a, a massage, but Natasha Rothwell's character keeps telling her, like, I have stuff to do and my day is booked. And then eventually she gives in and gives her massage despite everything she's already said. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. And like I said, it's the first episode, so we'll see where it goes. All righty. And what do you have on deck for No Concessions this week? Okay, uh, I'll keep this quick because I've only watched two episodes. But the Netflix series, Atypical, um, and for those who don't know about the series, it follows a teenager named Sam who is somewhere on the autism spectrum, and uh, he's kind of looking for romance. At least that's the premise of this first season. I'm not sure where it goes from there, but it's really good. Uh, and I just started it because I saw that it, the show just ended, so or is getting ready to end, one of the two. So um, I hopped into it. It, it, it kind of goes back to what we said. This was started in 2017 and uh, Keir Gilchrist, who plays the main character, is not, I don't believe, autistic. So, you know, I should probably check that. Don't, <laughs> don't quote me on that. Let me check that and I'll come back to you. But <laughs> uh, but no, it's good. It's, it's really good. I like it. And um, so it has him, Jennifer Jason Lee's in it. Uh, unfortunately, Michael Rappaport. But um, yeah, right. it's not too bad. All righty. Well, we've come to the halfway mark, and when we return, we'll have our NLT and our feature presentation. Welcome back, and we have our three regular heroes for NLT. Generation, where we have the season finale. Evil, where we had episode four e is for elevator and episode three of david make man david makes man y'all gucci yeah so generation season finale um i should have expected a more chaotic finale since right the other ending was just like half of the season <laughs> right right so um what do we think about v-day and where our characters ended up at the end uh like you said it, it was very chaotic and i think it was the longest episode that we've had so far but uh i i don't know i like how we kind of got an emotional roller coaster with everybody and uh, mm -hmm. nathan and naomi and kind of you know it feels like it's been forever since we've seen them in like scenes together then that final scene we see them together and she's like you know you're the only person i like right now so it's like oh okay um who else do we have ariana's she's the only one that really kind of stayed down the middle i i, I guess things yeah. fell, around, fell apart like around her yeah yeah she, she given her sort of like position like her episode in this in this half like she's sort yeah. of in the middle of everything right right um yeah, then we had Riley. She's maybe the most stressed because she, every all this is happening at her place. Um, her little, her mother's little room's getting torn up. Uh, yeah, people are getting drunk. Mm, she's got to deal with Greta and what's the other girl's name? Luz or something? Luz, Luz, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I know she's kind of bouncing off the walls and all over the place. And then it gets found out that she's the one that wait yeah wait did she tell about the other girl having the baby well naomi's the one that blurred it yes and yes. then cooper basically found out because he sort of questioned ariana and ariana yeah. about it yeah That's but, right. but he handled it pretty well and so did delilah eventually like she was sort of worried about the wrong things concerning that situation, which I thought was a really nice way for them to sort of right. come together. Cause then we learned that he's not really interested in Naomi. He wants to date Delilah, which I figured from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Luce and Riley had their sort of confrontation and turns out that Luce likes Riley. Yeah. Which I was not expecting and Riley likes Greta. Yeah. And I guess we learned that Greta is 
is the term asexual? Yeah, I, I'm guessing they didn't say it straight out, but from what she described, it was just like she had romantic feelings, but not really sexual ones. So yeah, right. Which is it, which is great representation. I'm glad yeah. they they added that in there. Um, the peak of the episode, sort of that started it, was the breakup, which I kind of saw coming. Yeah, you could. You could see it a mile away. Yeah, uh, Bo, you know, breaks up with Chester, not because he doesn't like him, but he just feels that Chester's sort of compensating for not being in a relationship, I think, between yeah. between the thing that happened with him and Sam and sort of this friendship, kinship with Nathan, it, it seemed like a performative sort of like a rebound type thing it just that i mean that scene was well acted but the reasoning at least to me was kind of weak like i was like wait so why is he leaving him what what are they breaking up over i don't know i just so i don't know but that's just the way it goes yeah but that was a really good really good scene between both both those actors yeah and then as this party is going on we're also seeing uh megan and mark nathan and naomi's parents across town trying to enjoy their valentine's day dinner and we're seeing you know the the more prominent cracks in their relationship um you have megan who is refusing to acknowledge that her children are growing up they have identities of their own that are different from the storybooks she had written for them when they were young. And then you have Mark who just wants them to be happy and wants to have a stronger connection with the young adults that are his children. Yeah. And these two opposing views are keeping Megan and Mark sort of butting heads. Um, And finally, as they pick up the kids, Mark finally says, we need a break. Right. And I'm glad he did that because for so long during that dinner, I was like, man, just tell her off. You know, like say what's on your mind, but it never came out. And then, you know, we kind of get him doing that when he just bluntly says, yeah, we need a break. Yeah. And I'm sure this is the last thing Megan wants because she is very much the image right of the perfect family she wants to keep it intact even if it's disarray and chaotic on the inside and then with chester and bo's breakup um chester has you know a moment of vulnerability with nathan um sort of betting him on and nathan surprisingly acknowledges that he's in a vulnerable state and turns him down, which speaks volumes of Nathan's character. Yeah. Um, he's he's a really good friend, a genuine person who's just sort of in a situation where he's not getting the best support. So he kind of acts out a bit, but yeah. he has a genuine good heart, genuine good heart. And Chester realizes that he's sort of fumbling at the at this point, and he calls Sam in an attempt to sort of piece things back together and the season ends with someone approaching chester up on on top of this hotel sign where he tends to sort of find peace and all we hear him say is oh it's you and then in scene i was so sure that he was gonna fall (laughs) yes or jump or or something it was just too Two tense. Yeah. Um, so that was season one of Generation. I really hope they get renewed because yeah. it's a great show, a fresh perspective, and great performances from all involved. So please, if you're listening, if you watch it, if you don't watch it, watch it. Support. It's only 16 half-hour episodes. You can finish yeah. it within a day if you wanted to yeah it goes very quickly all right from one uh joyous series to one demonic this is this is your show once again (laughs) yes 
Uh, episode four of Evil. E is for elevator. Basically, um, just to set up, you have uh, the David, Kristen, and Ben investigate the elevator game, which is a urban legend game from Japanese culture where you're supposed to push the buttons of an elevator in a certain order and it takes you to hell. Oh. And you, you're you supposed to step into hell for 12 minutes, but only 12 minutes, or else you'll be trapped forever. So they'd stumble upon this game because a couple's son has disappeared. They have footage of him going on this elevator at a hotel, and then he never exits. At the same time, his girlfriend also has vanished, and her friend says she went looking for him and did the elevator game as well. So Ben ends up the one going to sort of search for break the yeah. code of the elevator game. Um, meanwhile, Kristen is sort of she's sort of deep into the elevator game as well. She's not getting the Mother of Year award because she takes her kids on the first testing. Oh Jesus! Of this game with Ben, and it's like, could you be any more reckless? Um. And, and, you know, it doesn't work or whatever, but then she goes again. And of course the, the building doesn't have a 13th floor. So she stops between the 12th and 14th. Yeah. And in addition to the elevator game, the building itself has sort of this haunted uh, legend of the tick tick girl, who was a girl who was on the elevator. Her dog ran off and as she went to reach it. The elevator cut her in half. Jesus. And she's called the Tick Tick Girl because you can hear her clicking, dragging her body across the floor. So Kristen sees the Tick Tick Girl and she just assumes that her therapist needs to change her medication because <laughs> she's hallucinating. Right. Um, while they're dealing with that, David is continuing and is assigned to be Leland's counselor against his good wishes. Um, and they practice a exorcism and midway Leland stops and asks how he's doing or smiles at David. So David's aware of his shenanigans, but the church is literally taking him seriously. Wow. And he's over it. Meanwhile, David is going through training and he summoned up a sermon, which they call some other word I wasn't sure of. And he was basing it on race yeah. and the white, practitioner priests pushed back on it saying you know race is a very powerful word you're going to turn the parishioners away blah 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 this this that and the third and it really i really enjoyed how it highlighted the discussion of race in religion especially in catholicism yeah where there's not but a few black priests and he's engaged with this conversation where you know one of these other black students tells him he's basically the Catholics white, the Catholics black hope. Like he's just their token priest, yeah. their diversity token. Um, and he gets invited to a discussion with fellow black um, clergymen. And this other black man calls him, what do you call him? Not an uncle Tom, but like a priest Tom oh. or something like that. And David hits him. And he, he's about to leave the discussion and a Baptist preacher actually reaches out to him and says, you know, I agree with you. And if you ever need, you know, someone to talk to a debriefing, you can come visit our church. And I thought that was a great, a great plot line because you really don't think right. about race. I mean, we, it's clear on Sunday morning, everyone is segregated, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. But you don't even think about race within one certain religion. Right, um, right. So it was a it was a great topic and they handled it pretty well. Okay. Um, and then near the end of the episode, Ben is the one that sort of solves the elevator game code. Um, it turns out that the missing gentleman Wyatt, instead of um, he left a message saying, or his girlfriend left a message saying that push two and the call button. It wasn't actually the letter. The number two, it was the one and three to make 13 oh. and the call button. And it brings him to this empty floor, dark, desolate. He steps off the elevator 
and he finds the girl, but it turns out that it's just the bodies of both Wyatt and his girlfriend. They've been there for months, covered in bugs, and the elevator door closes, and Ben, he spirals. He's up there alone. He doesn't think anyone will find him, and then his demon uh, arrives, and they have this conversation. He's prepared to sort of type out his last testament to David and Kristen on his notes notes app and his phone. And then, you know, strike of luck, grace of God, whatever, David and Kristen find him and save him. And the emotion that he he displays. Yeah. Um, this is definitely new territory for Ben, who who might have grown up religious, but has since declared agnostic, didn't believe in anything. And he's he's having sort of like a, a crisis. And it's real real interesting to watch his character sort of develop these feelings and emotions so what's going on with her daughter and the, her teeth Where they haven't that? revisited that yeah they sort of just left that alone so i don't know if that's supposed to come back up or not yeah. um but yeah it was a really solid solid episode because you you were wondering there had to be some type of hitch to like this yeah. go to hell thing and it, it was really sad when you discovered they it was like a Romeo and Juliet almost sort of sudden yeah. um, thing so okay and then we had David Makes Man yes did you see this episode yeah yeah I, I caught up I'm caught up on doing this okay thing. let me find my notes because I just okay episode three with entitled Y'all Gucci and basically this episode, JG finally wakes up from the induced coma. Um, and David is sort of um is pushed to go to therapy because he still yeah. hasn't dealt with the multiple traumas. Yeah. And um this sort of is spurred from a dilemma in his redevelopment plan for the village. Uh so what do you think of this episode? I thought it was pretty good. It's I still have to get used to the fact that this is where we are now. Like we've timed up to him being thirty years old, but um, I, I guess in my mind, I'm always expecting him to go back. You know what right, I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. But uh, no, it's good. It, it works. But yeah, this episode was really good, um, and I like how he keeps coming up across people that he knew in the Ville before. Because today, and well, in this episode, we got uh, who was it? Marissa, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Right. So, right. And, but yeah, no, it's good. And I, I like the uh, kind of the constant dilemma that he's stuck in of, you know, his job and versus like who he is and where he grew up. It's, it makes for good viewing. So, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yes. Um, you mentioned Marissa. Um, the last time we saw her, she was, you know, it was the flashback where her and Davis sort of saw each other on the field trip. Yeah. And now she's sort of this um, bright environmentalist who is standing against the plan for the mall in right. their former neighborhood. And she gets the city commission commissioning board to sort of halt any further um, plans before until they have like an environmental testing or whatever, which um, I'm not sure in real life that they would have done that if they really care. Yeah. I think they probably would have looked at that before so they could be like a step ahead of the environmentalists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but ultimately the project is delayed and right. David sort of gets a verbal, not beating, but like talking down to from um, the developer played by Tony uh, Plana. Um, elsewhere at the hospital with J.G. Wicking up, we have his wife, Trish, and his friend Shell from the Ville both show up, not knowing they're both there to see JG. And then when that's discovered, Trish is sort of threatened, thinking that Shell is like the other woman. Right. Um, but her and JG do share some type of different bond. Yeah. Um, whether it's platonic or romantic, it's definitely there. Um, you see it when JG comes home. And Shell drops something off and he asks her not to leave. And then he sort of pops up again at the Ville um, just to see how she's doing. Um, and then we had that scene 
when JG came home and Trisha's sort of homophobic outburst. Yeah, she was wilding out in the hospital. Yeah, she she seems to be. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know if they grew up in the same. They clearly didn't grow up in the same neighborhood. No. She's a little adverse to the community that JG comes from. Right. Um, I know she, he's already a police officer, so she sort of worries about him in the line of duty and whatnot. But like the performance from the kids at um, his mom's home yeah. and just the outbursts and everything is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. And would, yeah, cause the doctor was like, you know, the best option for him is to stay in this medically induced coma so he can rest. And she was like, well, I'm not sure that that's what I want. It's like, what? Hold on a second. Like, like, do you know how right. the body works? Like, what would waking him up right. do? And I know, like, she was, like, trying to seek second opinions or whatever, but, like, they know what they're talking about. And, like, her sort of stance against Gloria, like, there seems to be just sort of a rift right right between his family and trish and like their daughter seems to be part of that but she's sort of on the outside i want to get get more to the meat of that um relationship and then we have david at therapy um his first day you know he tries to discuss sky and that incident and how it compares to what was going on with jg and he sort of he had you know the the internal outburst, and then the real sort of dissent. Um, left the session early, but then comes back, and I love this scene where you know he he has anxiety over the ones he loves. So we see Sky come up, uh, child JG, and then we see child David, and then his mother and his. It's all this like lineage of trauma that he has yet to deal with. Right. Um, so it's really interesting. <clears throat> uh, it, was, it was a solid episode. I will say Hurston seems to be still my favorite episode so far, just because, like you said, I'm I'm just used to seeing teen David. Right. Yeah. Um, but but I'm interested to see how this plays out. Um moving forward right and may i don't know if you feel it but it feels like and maybe it's just the way i don't know if this is how the actor acts or if he's trying to portray david just as in like an older man but sometimes i, I don't know how to put it in the words his acting seems not off just immature you know what i mean i know exactly what you mean because i call yeah. it too like like the first episode, I was like, why does he seem to be like the way he carries the backpack? And yeah, yeah. And he's it's like, weird. are you playing a big kid or are you playing adult? Yes. yes. Yeah. And that's when I'm that's what I feel like they're trying to get at is to make him seem like, yeah, sure, you're a 30-year-old man now or whatever, but you still have this insecure teenage boy inside of you. So it's just it's kind of strange sometimes. Yeah, and I almost think maybe he should just, I mean, he could just be an insecure adult and still sort of portray the same thing. But yeah, I definitely caught that. Because at first I was like, can he act or what? Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone. I was like, damn, man, maybe he's Yeah, everyone else was like, he seems to be in a different show. Right, yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm glad you felt that. Because yeah, I was just like, I mean, I like the show, but damn, man, he he may not be it. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, that's why I was like, episode two, I was like, okay, we're back to some normalcy. But yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what, what happens. Right, yeah. All right, that brings us to our feature presentation where we'll be discussing today's announcement of the 2021 Emmy nominations. Again, the Emmys premiere air of the 73rd ceremony, September 19th at 8 p.m. on CBS. So uh, overall, what were your thoughts on this year's nominees? Um, Decent. I wasn't really too upset by anything. 
I think finally we got Michaela Cole in there, but that confused me because I was just like, how long has that show been out? Yeah, I guess it wasn't eligible last year. The same with Lovecraft Country. Like I thought yeah. they would have, yeah, but they're there now. So, and then there are some expected things. Like I, I expected Ted Lasso to be everywhere. Yeah. Um, I was glad to see Pin Fifteen in there. That show's absolutely hilarious. Um, I, I finally watched the flight attendant. It deserves to be there. So. Yeah, I wasn't too upset by anything. So, yeah. So, um, just some quick tidbits. Um, this year, HBO and HBO Max led the networks with 130 nominations. They were followed by, is that correct? I could, I, I just looked this up and now I'm <laughs> double one second. Well, HBO Max and HBO led. Followed by Netflix. And then lastly, we had um, di- uh, Disney Plus with 71 nominations. Oh, so wow. second place and third place was a drastic change. Yes, HBO Max led with 130. I think okay. Netflix had 124. But then the major network with the most nominations was Disney across the board because they have Disney Plus, ABC, Hulu, Freeform. So... Yeah, and that kind of got Netflix upset because they don't have any subsidiary. Yeah, that's true. Works compared to the other streamers. So, all right. So, just going off the major categories, we won't get into like the writing and whatnot. Just um, best comedy, drama, limited series, and then some of the acting categories. So, best comedy, we have Blackish, Cobra Kai, Emily in Paris, Hacks. The Flight Attendant, The Commencing Method, Pin 15, and Ted Lasso. Um, yeah, I think it's Emily in Paris. Right. Like, what the heck? People hated that show. Like, exactly. uh, anyways, um, I think it's going to be between Hacks and Ted Lasso. Yeah, same. Yeah. I really wish um, Black Monday had gotten in there. Yeah, but good. I don't know if enough people are, are watching that. So, right. uh, then we have best drama. We've got Amazon's The Boys, mm-hmm. Netflix with both Bridgerton and The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Lovecraft Country, The Mandalorian, Pose, and the Lone Broadcast Network, NBC with This Is Us. Yeah, I. Look, I love Pose, but I'm not sure this season deserved it. Is it based off the season or the season before? It's based off this season. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Well, no. Uh, um, At least I think so. Yeah. This is between The Crown and The Mandalorian for me. Yeah, I've yet to watch The Crown, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, I know it's, it's that show. Right. Um, Lovecraft Country really surprised me because I, as long as it has it's been since it came out, I wasn't sure what it was going to be nominated for. But I'm glad. Right. It I think Bridgerton was a fan favorite, but I'm not sure if they would, right, give it the Emmy. So, yeah, right, yeah, that feels like more of a Golden Globe type. Yeah, definitely series. Then we come to best limited series where I think this category has become the toughest each year Um, because the shows are just incredible. You got uh, I May Destroy You, Mm -hmm. Mayor of Easttown, The Queen's Gambit, The Underground Railroad, and WandaVision. Yeah, that's really tough. Um, Yeah, I think I'm not sure how many people really saw I May Destroy You. And I feel like that may hurt it. Yeah, but it, it was sort of out of these, well, other than Queen's Gambit, last year it was at the top right. of a lot of best of lists. Right. And the fact that it wasn't, didn't win at the Globes um, was sort of depressing. Yeah. 
and and maybe I don't know. This is interesting because this is coming right off the back of Mayor of Easttown ending. So I feel like that's got to be the favorite. Yeah, it's on everyone's tongue. Right. But WandaVision's presence is sort of. This is true. Sort of surprising. Um, It's it's a genre series and it's Marvel. So um, I think, I don't know if we'll win, but this presence definitely shakes up the competition. Yeah. So we'll get into the acting now. So best actress and actor for comedy. Um, actress, we have A.D. Bryant for Shrill. Kaylee Kuko for The Flight Attendant. Allison Janney for Mom. Tracy Ellis Ross for Blackish. And Gene Smart for Hacks. Um, yeah, that, that should just go to Gene Smart. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm I'm uh, suspecting as well. Yeah. Um, she was brilliant in that series. Um, I'm surprised by the Shrill nomination. Some reason I just couldn't get into that show. No, it, yeah, it's definitely an acquired taste. It, my I watched it, but my favorite character wasn't. It was it was Patty Harrison's character, like the uh, the other woman in the show that's like her coworker. That's really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I remember, but that show too, when I feel like that was a while since its last season. Yeah, season three just dropped, I think early this year or late oh, last yeah. year. Huh. So I don't know. It, COVID's messed everything up. So yeah, it really has. Uh, best actor, we have Anthony Anderson for Blackish, Michael Douglas for the Kaminsky Method. I'm not sure why William H. Macy is here for Shameless, but. <laughs> Uh, Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso and Kenan Thompson for Kenan. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and give that to Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. Um, I, I have yet to finish Kenan, but it definitely improved from the first episode. But yeah. I think I think Young Rock was just a better show overall. Yeah. To me. I've watched Ted Lasso the the first season and it is it's it's good. I can definitely see why people are so attached to it. it I'm trying to think of another show to compare it to, but I really can't. But yeah, it's it, yeah, it's gonna rack up at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the drama category, best actress we have Uzo Duba for In Treatment, Olivia Coleman and Emma Corrin both for The Crown, Elizabeth Moss for The Handmaid's Tale. MJ Rodriguez for Pose and Journey Smollett for Lovecraft Country. Yeah, I would like to see MJ Rodriguez win, but I'm not really sure. It's probably going to be somebody from The Crown. Yeah, unfortunately. Hopefully I'm thinking they'll cancel each other out and it'll either go go the Journey or Uzo. Although Uzo's performance, while great, is still like really new. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Journey really she carried that not carried the show, but she seriously arrived um in that series. Yeah, she did a lot. She did a lot. But yeah, I yeah, this is definitely probably gonna be the crown, unfortunately. Yeah. And Rodriguez makes history as the first trans person to get a lead acting nomination. Yeah. Then we move to Best Actor Drama, Sterling K. Brown for This Is Us, Jonathan Major for Lovecraft Country, Josh O'Connor for The Crown, Reggie Jean Page for Bridgerton, Billy Porter for Pose, and Matthew Reese for Perry Mason. Yeah, mine, and I. And if he doesn't go, I'll riot, but it's got to go to Matthew Reese. That Perry Mason was incredible. It was really good. Yeah. Really good. Um, they put Sterling up there every year because he's been great but he hasn't won since the first season so yeah you know he could have won a second time like for real he he yeah. carries this as us <laughs> um and billy while great i feel like he he won last year yeah he's good and, and i know this was the final season of pose but it was just it was just so strange it was weird yeah, they definitely should have been here for the second season. Like that, I think is the strongest. Yeah, is showcase. 
Also, I don't see it's a sin on here, and I'm very upset. Man, yeah, I, I can't tell you how many people I've told to watch that show. It's incredible. Yeah, incredible. So we get into uh, Best Actress, Limited Series, or TV Movie. We have Michaela Cole for I May Destroy You, Cynthia Revo for Genius Aretha, Elizabeth Olsen for WandaVision, Anya Taylor-Joy for The Queen's Gambit, and Kate Winslet for Mayor of Easttown. Competition. Very, very big competition. Huh. Well, I'm going to go ahead and cancel out Cynthia Revo. Right. Uh, and then once you do that, uh, a lot of people like the Queen's Gambit, but I, I can't see Anya Taylor-Joy winning it. Yeah. Because that was uh, definitely a last last year type of. Yeah. Yeah. This hype was last year. And then once you get rid of those two. Ooh, that's tough. It really is. Because you have Winslet, who was phenomenal right. in Mayor of Easttown. But then you have Elizabeth, who right. just showed her entire range in a show that no one's expecting to be that good yeah yeah but then michaela cole deserves okay <laughs> like, yeah she does like lead actress writer and creator of that series which which i mean you'll probably don't want to rewatch it but you definitely need to see it like it's, yeah, it's, it's a must watch no yeah yeah something unlike anything else i've ever seen and like i it, she's one of the best at interjecting comedy into such serious things mm -hmm. definitely I mean, chewing, chewing gum was a comedy but it had some serious moments but you were still i i think that from her is what makes her stuff so watchable it's like yeah you're gonna encounter some hard heavy things but here's some good laughs as well yeah and then best actor for limited series or tv movie we have paul bettany for wandavision who was great he he was great um in yeah. that Hugh Grant for The Undoing, which I don't know about that. And Uma McGregor in this Halston that nobody watched. Mm -mm. Hamilton, what are you doing here? Yeah, that's bad. So I honestly think it's going to Paul. <laughs> yeah, I think it will. Yeah, Hamilton, wow. Yeah, th that could have been Ethan Hawke for The Good Lord Bird. It should have been. I, I watched the first couple episodes of Halston. It's, or I just... It, it didn't hit the way it should have it yeah that came and went that literally just came out like yeah and then if i'm not mistaken i think there's something about the same guy on hulu i'm not sure if it's a documentary or what but it's kind of like all right yeah it we could definitely replace both hamilton's for ethan hawk and i don't know whether limited series but I don't know, but this just shows you, man, people aren't spreading their, uh, opening their mind to what they're watching because Ethan Hawke, man, he was acting his ass off. Yeah, he was incredible in that show, incredible. And then we'll sort of skim through the supporting, just highlighting some names here. Um, we have Hannah Einbinder, did I say that right? I have no clue. Uh, for Hacks, for Supporting Actress, as well as Rosie Perez, which I'm happy to see. She was really good in The Flight Attendant. Yeah, yeah. Um, some reason, I feel like the sketch stuff should be in a separate category. Yeah, and it shouldn't be nominated because SNL is not good. So That part, too. Yeah. And how do they not have anyone from a Black Lady sketch show? Like, yeah. All those women, and you have three from... Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Same three. Lazy. <laughs> Very lazy. And then two last Ted Lasso's. Like, okay, come on. Yeah. This is either going to the flight, flight attendant or hacks, I think. Yeah, hopefully. I, I, I really hope it doesn't go. I mean, I like Kate McKinnon. All three of those from Saturday Night Live, they're funny, but just Saturday Night Live is not funny. Like, yeah, it's yeah. really not. Um, supporting actor for comedy. I was glad to see Carl Clemens Hopkins from Hacks. Oh, okay. Um, he plays what's the guy's name? Her assistant? Marcus, I think. Mm -hmm. I can't remember now. Crap. But he's really good. Um, and then Boy and Yang 
is nominated. He's not only the first featured actor from Saturday Night Live to be nominated for an Emmy, he's the yeah. first Chinese American to have an actor nomination, acting nomination at the Emmys. That's so crazy that we're still having first like that. I cannot. <laughs> That's nuts. And he's great on Saturday Night Live, so I wouldn't be mad. Oh, if yeah, he- he's funny too. And then we have four from Ted Lasso. Like, really? Yeah. I tell you, the show is just a fan favorite. It's what it is, is it's kind of like it's wholesome. And I think last year, while the nation was literally dying, people were like, we need something to watch. And Ted Lasso happened to be that. So. Yeah, filled the void. Yeah. And then supporting actress for drama. Um, we have three from The Crown. Uh, three from Handmaid's, oh, four from Handmaid's Tale, and then Anjanu Ellis from Lovecraft Country. So. Yeah, that's just going to come down to a game of probability, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the actor is somewhat different. Um, four from Handmaid's Tale. No, three from Handmaid's Tale. You got Giancarlo Esposito, who, I mean, he's going to act, he's going to get nominated. So. Yeah. He's good at everything. Yeah, he's nominated for The Mandalorian. John Lithgow is nominated for Perry Mason. Tobias Menzies is nominated for The Crown. Um, Chris Sullivan is here for This Is Us, which, okay. And then Michael K. Williams is here for Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Um, I hope he he gets it, because, yeah, he, he was acting in that show. Yeah incredible performance and then supporting actress and actor for limited series um actress wise we've got Catherine Hahn for WandaVision um up against both Julianne Nicholson and Jean Smart for Mayor of Easttown Mm -hmm. uh and then two Hamilton nominations and Moses Ingram from the Queen's Gambit I think it might go to Hahn yeah Cause I don't think they're going to award Gene twice. Hold on a second. I'm trying to find it. Oh God, I lost my spot. I was scrolling. I just, <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. You know what? Can you just read them again one more time? Yeah, no problem. Uh, for Hamilton, you have Renee, Elise Goldsberry, and Philippa Sue. Yeah. Catherine Hahn for WandaVision. Uh, Moses Ingram for The Queen's Gambit. And then Julianne Nicholson and Gene Smart, both for Mayor of Easttown. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if, if they'll get the lead actor to WandaVision, but I can definitely see Han getting the supporting. Yeah. And then limited series supporting actor. Again, Hamilton. <laughs> like, y'all could have given digs for yeah. good Lord Bird. Like, I don't... Yeah, that's nuts. ...understand. Um, Thomas Brody Sangster for Queen's Gambit. Yeah. I'm going to mispronounce his name, but Papa Esidu for I May Destroy You, which that's a good look. Yeah. I'm kind of upset the act supporting actress didn't get nominated because she's really good too. And then Evan Peters for Mayor of Easttown. Okay. Um, and then we have Rally Talk series, rally competition, and all the writing stuff, which gets into the nitty-gritty. You know, man, hold on. They recycle actors and actresses like it's nobody business in the UK. The uh that guy, the Papa S dude was in Gangs of London. Like I just recognized his his name. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. very few black actors in the UK when it yeah. really come down to it between him. The guy from Chewing Gum, and I may just assure you, uh, David Alua Idris, like it's it's a it's a small choosing, so they do get recycled, especially on television. I guess if you get in, then you're good. Yeah, and that's another reason why they're all coming to America stateside. So makes sense. Yeah. All righty, and then with writing, directing, y'all can look up yourselves i'm not going through all that <laughs> it's a lot but um michaela cole is up for directing and writing for limited series um 
So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's very it's a very tight race this year. Yeah, it should be good though. Yeah, definitely. Um, we kind of talked about it already. Um, any snubs or things shows we thought should have been nominated? I was really hoping Young Rock would get some supporting actor noms because that cast is incredible. Yeah, um, mainly um, Ethan Hawke for the Good Lord Bird. That I I think I had an idea of what we we're gonna get when we went into it, but it it absolutely just blew me away okay. because yeah. of his performance. So. Yeah, he was he he was the glue that sort of pulled yeah. the series in forward motion. But yeah, um, I thought he thought he was really necessary for that. And kind of surprised we didn't see anything about what should we call it? Small acts. People were fawning over that. Uh, that's a big snub, and I think ultimately the Emmys viewed it as a film anthology instead of. A series which yeah. it won at what did it win at earlier this year was it it wouldn't have been the baftist that's just film right but i i think that's the the issue it was presented as a f- series of films instead of a series and i think that ultimately did it in but yeah folks were definitely expecting nominations for steve mcqueen john boyega and uh, letitia wright yeah, that's kind of rough. Cause it was good. Yeah. yeah. All righty. Um, what are you shooting for the weekend? All right. Uh, well, this weekend I'm definitely gonna try to watch No Sudden Move. Um, so hopefully that that's by HBO. I want to say the 15th. So this Thursday, that's when the American Horror Stories drops on Hulu. Um, I think that's just like the shortened version of American Horror Story. And then the third and final part of the Fear Street trilogy movies on Netflix. So, yeah. All righty. For me, um, I'll be watching the Loki season one finale that will drop Wednesday. Um, I'm hoping to catch Gunpowder Milkshake that will drop Wednesday as well on Netflix. And I'll be tuning into American Horror Stories as well, the first episode this week mm. uh, we thank you for listening to it's a stream of life podcast with brandon and lauren if you like what you hear go ahead and subscribe share and review on your platform of choice if you want more follow us on socials at as life podcast and visit our website streamablelife.wordpress.com next week um i might recap the season finale of loki for y'all and then we might have like a free for all not i'm not sure <laughs> yeah you're right right okay uh it's kind of i'm sure we'll find something right yeah but until then keep on streaming peace thank you for listening to another edition of it's a stream life If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast on Apple Podcasts and all other major platforms. And for more content, follow us on our socials at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at AS Life Podcasts.